Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. United Not Silence, the Hour Voice podcast, uh, take two, <laughs> because uh, we recorded a two-hour episode yesterday, but the uh, file got corrupted and it's totally unplayable. So uh, we are gathering again to try this again, and hopefully it saves this time. <laughs> I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo. I'm joined here by uh, Adrian Higgins. Hello. Hey. And LaDonna Loki. Hello, hello. Hey. Um, so, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Busy week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, real quick before we get into it, I, you know, I, I mentioned this on the the lost episode yesterday, but uh, before we start the podcast, I just want to do a quick, like, kind of like a recommendation uh, section because uh, I know we all kind of consume a lot of progressive media, whether it's you know documentaries or music or books or whatever um so i watched this uh documentary it was actually a netflix original documentary uh it's called nobody speak hulk hogan gawker and trials of a free press um and you know i watched it just kind of uh, like because i was bored one day and it was on netflix and i kind of i'm you know a wrestling fan so i was like oh i'll check it out um but it and it and it was about the hulk hogan sex tape trial which are you know four words that should never be uttered in the same sentence ever again <laughs> but um and so i watched it because of that and i was like oh maybe this will be interesting but it actually turned out to be this really like interesting and kind of inspiring well <laughs> depressing but also kind of invigorating story about um the free press and and it's kind of dwindling role in in modern uh modern media and how basically billionaires are essentially buying off their their watchdogs and and totally silencing them um adrian you said you you had checked it out actually earlier today what'd you think yeah i thought it was good i mean a couple of notes that i have is number one it was the same week that um hulk hogan had to defend his dick in court that donald trump had to defend his dick so i just want to call that out that was a great week for me personally hulk hogan had to defend his dick dick, not terry balea yeah that's i made that you know i made that uh example because i wanted to make sure i didn't say terry balea he didn't have to defend his dick it was hulk hogan's dick terry balea's dick is not 10 inches long hulk hogan's dick is 10 inches literal court transcripts from that fucking case Release the transcripts. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's, it's literally the most absurd trial you've ever seen. But the, the documentary does a great job highlighting just kind of all the inconsistencies in terms of the jury selection and the judge, uh, who is a, I believe they said a, a George W. Bush appointee who has been shown to be very much ideologically conservative and not in favor of free press. 
So I don't know how they swung that one, but uh, yeah, spoiler alert somewhat, although I'm sure if you followed this case at all in the media, you, you, you saw this story. Peter Thiel, uh, the, the Ayn Randian lunatic uh, maniac, was actually secretly bankrolling the case against Gawker. Um, yeah. Oh, he's, I mean, he's horrible. He's like a horrible, horrible person. <laughs> he he is, also took out Larry Wilmore, according to Jon Stewart. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. He's like a, a total nut job. Um, and he is like bankrolling these sorts of things. And it, and, it, and it all comes down to the fact that uh, Gawker kind of outed him, although he was kind of already out and he didn't like that. Um, which, I mean, you know, Gawker's not the greatest website in the world. I mean, nobody's going to argue that. They're a little trashy. But... And th- and that's why, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's it, This is kind of a tough case because it's like what they actually released and what they're being sued for um, is questionable legally. But that also doesn't mean that they need to be destroyed as a completely as a media organization over it. And it's a really bad precedent to set to let a billionaire essentially destroy a media company. Uh, company. So, I mean... Uh, I don't know what you guys think, but it's just, I think it's interesting. And then, and the second half of the documentary, um, for you guys listening, it's, uh, focuses on the Las Vegas review journal, uh, which is a, which was an independent paper in Vegas who did a lot of reporting on corruption in Vegas and corruption of like, you know, the casino owners there and things like that. And the, the, the second half of the documentary is about, uh, them getting bought by this kind of anonymous buying group, and it turns out that one of the and they and like the people at the paper were like, "Who's buying us?" And the people would they wouldn't tell them, and so the investigative team at the paper actually looked into it and found out that Sheldon Adelson, through his son-in-law, like put together this buying group to purchase the paper because they were constantly reporting on him and all the shady shit he does out there. He owns the yeah. uh, the Bellagio, I Venetian. believe. Oh, he owns the Venetian. Venetian. Okay. A different which, shitty hotel. Which I've actually been in. It, it, it's 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 cool just to kind of see it, but it's like, you know, he, he's like a horrible, horrible human being. Sheldon Allison is, uh, you know, he, he's the, probably one of the biggest uh, right-wing donor. I mean, he's worth like something like $70 billion or some absurd amount. Well, and there's a huge trend right now with, you know, conservative media, conservatives buying over the media mm-hmm. in general, Sinclair and, you know, Breitbart. Yeah. There's going to be a huge wave of, you know, more conservative reporting. And I think part of it is the Trump phenomenon. And part of it is just them trying to get a hold of a narrative that they feel has been taken by the liberal media. Um, I don't, you I don't know, know what MSNBC's excuse is, though. <laughs> it's because only George older Will, people watch uh, TV. Look at the average viewer is like 65 and plus for television cable news. So. Yeah. But that's why that's just the way that that's kind of speaks to the way that they think in old media, instead of trying to appeal to younger viewers and putting things like I'll tell you right now, if I was in charge of MSNBC, I would hire back, you know, Jank Uger, Dylan Radigan. I would look for the most progressive people possible because you're the only station on TV right now who's claiming to or well, they're not even claiming to anymore, but who is at least, you know, who used to cater to a progressive audience and instead, they're like, "Hmm, how can we be even shittier and lose the small percentage of actual loyal viewers we have?" I know. Let's fire everyone that's Democrat. You know, that's a Democrat. 
They're just looking for advertisements too, though. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they have no please. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's right. That's true. They and have no. Jank doesn't get advertisements, you know. <laughs> they have no uh, compunctions about you know totally selling out any kind of beliefs they have for the advertising dollars. I mean, they still get ads from you know Pfizer and Lockheed Martin and all these other the Alice companies. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that those are t- that are turning away from all of these traditional media sources are are recognizing that recognizing that we're being sold perspectives on one side or the other, and yet it's really all the same thing. It's all been. Um, blessed by large corporations in some way right. and if they were telling the truth and truly speaking out against all of that you know they'd lose their advertising so you have to look elsewhere if you want the truth yeah yeah it's the mick resistance a lot of people it's a funny <laughs> term I, I i really like it uh basically you know just the phony resistance it's just you know um what was I going to say? Oh, so yeah, and so in the second half, uh, it focuses on that. And, you know, after he bought the company, uh, he actually put forth an edict that they could not report on any stories about Sheldon Adelson or the Adelson family. <laughs> so, and, and you know, they all resigned over it, which, you know, that was that, that was the inspiring part is like the, the journalists who worked at that paper, like seemed like they really like gave a shit about actual journalism, which is, is rare to see now, so. Uh, it's yeah. not like they get paid well for it. So, no, I mean, they have to not. care. Of course <laughs> not, yeah. Um, I actually really would love to talk to uh, one of the guys, John L. Smith. I think he was the editor-in-chief at the time, and he was the one who really got in, you know, he, he really got on Adelson's bad side because he was constantly investigating him and writing stories about him. And he's probably the reason that Adelson, Adelson how the fuck you pronounce his name, um, bought the paper and and destroyed it basically. So you can't poke the bear. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, he's just god awful. Um, so, um, well, with that, uh, let's get into the stories this week uh, because there's some crazy shit going on right now, and um, never a shortage of topics. Yeah. Oh, actually, one more thing I wanted to recommend. A uh, really good song uh, by this guy, Benjamin Booker. Uh, he's like kind of this like... Uh, no relation to Corey, I hope. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, he's a black dude, though, so <laughs> that's the only thing he's got uh, in common. He's, uh, he's, I think he's from like Virginia. He's like a punk soul singer. It's, it's, it's really hard to describe. He's very soulful, but... It's like garage rock and like punk and it's like, but he has a song called um, Witness and it's all about like, am I going to be a witness to a police shooting basically? And it's a, but it's like an amazing song. It's really like soulful um, and the lyrics to it are just amazing. Uh, I would play it here, but I don't have the multi-million dollar, uh, (laughs) the money to pay for the multi-million dollar lawsuit that would probably come from his record label. Um, Let's get him on live to perform it then. Yeah, that'd be good. Cool. I ah. think that's still technically. Uh... Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I just like the pre like the. I just want to read you a little bit of the, the verse of the song. It's uh, see, we thought that we saw that he had a gun. Thought it that it looked like he started to run. Thought that we saw that he had a gun. Thought that it looked like he started to run. And then the chorus is, "Am I going to be a witness? Just going to be a witness." Um. But it's really good. It, it like it's a great song. You guys should definitely check it out uh, if you're listening. Uh, On the topic of documentaries, if people haven't yet checked it out, uh, 
the 13th on Netflix is also a really good one. Yeah, um, Kind of going through and connecting the history of slavery to the modern criminal justice system and, you know, where we are now and how we got here. Very powerful. I had to watch it in pieces. I couldn't even watch it all in one sitting. It's so infuriating. Um, you know, I actually, I, I, I read something actually related to that the other day that would shocked me. There's actually more black men in prison right now than there were ever slaves in this country. Right. That, yeah, that's, that's just like, and which I mean, and you know, there's a lot more people in the country now than there was then, but that's just staggering to, to think about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I'd say let's lighten the mood a little bit, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it'll happen a little bit because we're, we're going to rage against the Democrats a little bit right now. So <laughs> that always that always lifts my spirits up. <laughs> um, Okay, so uh, our first story that we're going to talk about uh, comes from The Intercept. Um, this is from Lee Fang, who's a great, great journalist over at The Intercept. Uh, does great work. Okay, so yeah, uh, the story is titled, Prominent Democratic Fundraisers Realigned to Lobby for Trump's Agenda. Uh, after President Donald Trump's upset election victory, Democratic insiders who worked on Hillary Clinton's failed presidential bid weren't necessarily relegated to the sidelines. Many, in fact, are cashing in as lobbyists by working to advance Trump's agenda. Uh, lobbying records show that some Democratic fundraisers who raised record amounts of campaign cash for Clinton are now retained by top telecom interests to help repeal the strong net neutrality protections uh, established during the Obama administration. Others are working on behalf of for-profit prisons, of all things, uh, on detention issues, <laughs> While others are still paid to help corporate interests pushing alongside Trump uh, to weaken financial regulations, which is kind of par for the course of the Democrats. That's something they don't really shy away from, even when the Democrats are in office. Uh, at least one prominent Clinton backer is working for a health insurance company on a provision that was included in the House Republican bill to gut the Affordable Care Act. So that's a Democrat working to you know, cut Obamacare. Uh, while Republican lobbyists are more in demand, liberal lobbyists are doing brisk business that has them reaching out to fellow Democrats to endorse or at least tamp down uh, vocal opposition to Trump agenda items. These cases are clear, disturbing examples of the gulf between the interests of many of the Democratic Party's big money donors and those of the party's progressive base and America's working families, said Kai Newkirk, co-founder of Democracy Spring, a progressive coalition. The net neutrality debate is a case in point. The biggest fundraisers for the Clinton campaign, Democratic lobbyists such as Ingrid Duran, Vincent Roberti, Stephen Elmendorf, Al Motor, and Arshi Siddiqui are now lobbying on behalf of AT&T, Verizon, or Comcast on net neutrality. Comcast, by the way, voted the worst company in the world to work for. Just <laughs> throwing it out there. Uh, these companies dominate the telecom industry, which is working with the Trump administration to unwind one of President Barack Obama's biggest accomplishments. Uh, in 2015, the Obama administration, with great fanfare, reclassified broadband services as a utility using Title II of the Communications Act. Uh, in doing so, the reclassification avoids court challenges, paving the way for strong regulations that require internet service providers to treat all web traffic in the same way. This principle is known as net neutrality, which advocates say is crucial for the internet to remain open to the free flow of information and innovative services. 
uh, douchebag Ajit Pai, a former Verizon attorney appointed by Trump to serve as chairman of the Feder of the FCC, is attempting to roll back the Title II re reclassification uh, and have companies simply commit to a voluntary form of net neutrality. Because uh, that always works, you know. Corporations tend to <laughs> tend to be pretty moral actors. Um, I trust them all completely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, the industry supports strong consumer protection rules, but Title II is an over-the-top, archaic regulatory framework," said Motor, a Democratic lobbyist, in a brief interview with the Intercept, explaining his work. Motor raised ninety-five thousand dollars for the Clinton campaign. Uh, now, as a lobbyist for Comcast and the National Cable and Telecommunications Association, Motor is supporting the Trump administration's efforts to undo net neutrality. <clears throat> in April, when the FCC decision was announced, Motor tweeted in support of the plan, claiming a rollback of Title II reclassification will lead to more capital investment uh, in, tele in the telecom sector and boost economy. Pai, the FCC chairman, liked the tweet, um, which is cute that, they're, that they have a little kind of bromance going on there. Uh, other Democratic lobbyists did not respond to requests for comment, but many of their lobbying disclosures demonstrate a realignment in support of Trump's policy agenda. Uh, and by the way, this article... I like that word, realignment, by the way. Yeah, I know, Realignment. Right? Not, like, complete fucking shift to the dark side. Realignment. <laughs> um, a well-known lobbyist who runs in powerful Democratic circles, Heather Podesta, who, by the way, is uh, the ex-wife of John Podesta's brother, you know, co-founder of the Podesta group. Uh, yeah, Tony Podesta. Tony Podesta. Isn't he the Pizzagate guy, too, that everyone claims is, like, the pizza? Yeah, oh. yeah, they, yeah. Wait, well, that so, part is bullshit. No, obviously it's bullshit. But wait, he, he owns a pizza place, but he's... I guess that makes sense. You, you buy shit when you're rich. Maybe he's not the one that owns the pizza place, right? No, no, he didn't own Comet Pizza, but... Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I, I, but he I don't hung know out there. there. Apparently he liked pizza. I don't know. <laughs> I fucking love pizza, so if that makes me a <laughs> child sex ring operator, I guess so be it. Time for a background check. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, Heather Podesta volunteered for Clinton during the New Hampshire primaries. She collected at least $407,000 for the campaign. In recent months, uh, Podesta has tweeted from the Center for American Progress Ideas Conference, uh, an event billed as a platform for the, quote, resist movement, uh, the, the resist progressive change movement, I think is actually what they meant to print there, but they, they, they left that part <laughs> out, uh, and has continued to give cash to congressional Democrats. Podesta, however, whose New Year's resolution was to, and I'm not even making this shit up, make lobbying great again. This is a fucking Democrat. Uh, has, has adapted to Republican rule by rebranding her lobbying firm from Heather Podesta and Partners to Invariant, a name change to reflect a, quote, expanding bipartisan team with ties to the Trump administration. Can't even make this shit up. Okay, well, full disclosure, so, yeah, I worked for a lobbying firm in my youth. <laughs> Actually, not a lobbying firm, a company, a lobbying department in a company. And so I want to dispel the notion that all lobbying is evil. I mean, we love to hate on lobbyists and there are a lot of them that have no souls or completely dead inside. These lobbyists and, are evil. Yeah. These particular and, and lobbyists. And do only think, you know, for money. However, you know, if you were a flower grower and you needed a congressman to, to understand your particular issue, you know, it makes sense to get together with other flower growers and have someone talk to them. That part of it wasn't the bad part. It was where money got involved and in buying everyone. That yeah, yeah, of course. Confident. 
and there's there's a lot of 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 institutions and systems and positions like that that maybe have you know even some a lot of unions and i'm a very pro-union strong union supporter but a lot of unions because they become so corporatized almost kind of work against you know it, it it i think almost anything when you inject too much money into it can become corrupted so it's it's definitely worth keeping in mind power corrupts yep yeah um Record show, records show that Podesta has lobbied this year on behalf of financial management and insurance giants, Prudential, and New York Life on the fiduciary rule. The regulation fought for by the Obama administration that was designed to require financial planning companies to act in the best interests of their clients. Early in his, his administration, uh, in a decision tiered by the industry, Trump ordered a delay on the implementation of the rule. So she's helping fight the the radical notion that financial planning companies should actually work in the best interest of the people <laughs> paying them to give them financial planning. Uh, you know, Bless her heart. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, other Democratic lobbyists have found that their corporate clients' interests align with the Trump administration. Some, like Podesta, are taking financial planning industry cash to work on the fiduciary rule. <clears throat> uh, Steve Elmendorf. A uh, former senior advisor to Clinton's 2008 run, maintained a high-profile role with Clinton's 2016 run, raising $341,000 for the campaign. He is now one of the most prominent corporate lobbyists in Washington. Uh, DC records show that Elmendorf, too, lobbied on the fiduciary rule. His client, uh, the Securities Industry and Financial Markets Association, a trade group for firms like Prudential, has made delaying the rule a major goal and celebrated Trump's move to delay implementation. Uh, United Health, the health insurance giant, is also an Elmendorf client. Filings made to ethics officials on Capitol Hill reveal that Elmendorf is helping United work on issues related to uh, the Affordable Care Act, including health insurance and the health insurance industry tax, a provision of the ACA that United Health has made clear it seeks to repeal or delay. Uh, congressional Republicans have said that if they are successful with their overhaul of the law, the tax will be gone. A former uh, DNC fundraiser from Bill Clinton's days as president, <clears throat> Richard Sullivan, served as a major fundraiser for Hillary Clinton's campaign last year. He bundled at least $345,000 for the campaign, according to uh, FEC records. Sullivan is also registered uh, is also a registered lobbyist for public relations and lobby firm Capital Council, where he works on behalf of private prison giant Geo Group to convince lawmakers of the benefits of public-private partnerships in the delivery of secure residential care in correction and detention facilities. That's, that's Which, by the way, is the way we're going with everything, these public-private partnerships. Uh -huh. It's going to be transportation. It's going to be every industry. Which is just giving private, uh, privatizing public things that should be publicly run basically is Bingo. all that means yep. it's just a nice way to do fancy flowery language around it um the florida-based geo group is particularly close to tr the trump administration it was one of the few firms to donate corporate money to trump uh super PAC during the election finance the inauguration and openly celebrate trump's decision to vastly expand the detention and removal of undocumented immigrants uh, the firm was among the first private companies to win a contract from the Trump administration for a federal immigrant detention center deal worth $110 million. So, um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, 
first of all, we knew if Clinton got in, she would probably go for this net neutrality thing because a big business would, you know, push her towards it. Look at her friends are doing it. Uh, the second thing is, is like, you know, Heather Podesta, John Podesta's, uh, uh, sorry, ex-sister-in-law or Tony Podesta's ex-wife, um, went to an, uh, Obama's inauguration wearing an L pin on her lapel for lobbyists <laughs> because she's that proud of being a lobbyist and she thought that Obama was too anti-lobbyist. Which is so laughable in, in itself. Oh, the other thing that I uh, found out about them is she, um, her and Tony made millions lobbying and they still work together even though they got divorced in 2013. Um, and their big cause is buying lots and lots of fancy art that they get to keep and loan out to museums. Weird art, apparently, too. <laughs> I mean, that's the art world. Is you know, there's tons of weird shit in the art world. <laughs> we have a couple artists in the group. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, yeah, this they're the fucking worst. And people wonder why we were so, uh, you know, vehemently opposed to Hillary Clinton being the nominee for the Democrats. And saying, oh, well, she votes with Bernie 91% of the time. Look at the fucking people she surrounds herself with. Like, these people have no morals whatsoever. These people are fucking Satan incarnate, and they work for the Democrats, but they really just work for anyone that'll pay them. Like, it's that, that's, that was the problem, and that was the fundamental difference between her and Bernie, and why that branch of the party and that, that type of, of uh, that brand of Democrat needs to die, because they don't care about you. Like, like people think that we're like crazy or being purists. They don't give a fuck though. I mean, look at, they're, they're, they're literally shilling for private prisons, which, which, which are like, it's one of the most predatory industries in, in the country. I mean, they literally incentivize the judicial system to imprison nonviolent, you know, drug offenders and, you know, predominantly African-American drug offenders, nonviolent drug offenders and like right now, all these people that were deporting were unnecessarily keeping them in these det- detention centers because they make money off of it. Like, it, like instead of sending them right back, which I don't think we should do anyway. I think it's fucking bullshit. But instead of sending them to the border, they they sometimes will will drive them further away from the border to the nearest private prison that's associated with with whatever you know that that uh, jurisdiction tends to be associated with uh and they keep they house them there just to to you know collect money because they get paid they take money from the government to fucking house them there it's just well i mean going back to the clinton surrounding herself with these people you know these are moneyed interests and traditional political wisdom says you need money to win and i think you know if you look historically at the democrats and the things that they were up against the republicans were the party of business and the Democrats were the party of workers and working people, but they were increasingly up against Republican money and being outdone. And so I think, you know, someone strategically made a decision and said, we're, we're going to shift, <coughs> um, you know, the only way to win <laughs> is to do this. And, you know, obviously Bernie has shown that, that that's not the only way to do things, but every Washington insider would say the same thing that if you realistically want to win, you need money. And that's the reason why she would surround herself with these people. So, I mean, it makes sense logically. It's just, you know, and the other part is with, with the democratic lobbyists rebranding themselves, they're, they're looking to get paid. They're, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. And I don't, maybe some jobs just, 
necessarily kill your soul to do them. I don't know. <laughs> Over time, maybe a good person goes bad just from being there. But, you know, at the end of the day, these are people who have careers and, you know, who have become accustomed to a certain standard of living and they've got to go where the money is, or at least that's what they tell themselves. So it's, it's not surprising to me at all. Yeah. You know, they just got to buy that next Warhol, you know, that's right. <laughs> they just got to have it. Got to get paid. Yo, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, one I mean, thing if they were just trying to eat, you know, but no, no, they, they got to buy know, fancy they, art. They, they make so much fucking money. It's insane. I mean, they make, <laughs> they make more money than politicians do actually. Well, more money than politicians do in terms of on the books. I mean, I'm not talking right. about when they get consulting Their jobs or board jobs and, or whatever. Yeah. You know, after they leave Jason office Chafees, he's got like that now that uh fox news deal right yeah mm-hmm. Ugh, spineless fucking coward um i'm glad he's out though i am too but uh it would be they're nice not like they're not would... gonna put anybody else in there that's ridiculous because that's mormon country where he's from so there, it's gonna be some jesus freak there well actually is this woman running uh for the democrats i think i believe her name is kathy allen she's like a doctor uh, uh-huh. She seems pretty good. I haven't I haven't looked into her too much. Uh, Could McMullen run for that one? He's from Utah, right? Evan I, I, McMullen. I, yeah, McMullen's so. from Utah. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> by the way, one of the funny. Occasionally, even though I hate him, Trump is is kind of funny. That's like one of the funniest <laughs> things I think he's ever said. Calling him Evan McMuffin. <laughs> Goofy Evan McMuffin keeps talking about me, but whatever he said about him. <laughs> yeah. He really does have like a intellect. Old, you know, he's yeah, like, he's... the insults are even like funny for an eight-year-old. You know, he's just an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, I. It's just it's it's not surprising to hear that, but it's like to the people that say there's not a problem with this party and not a problem with the leadership of this party. I mean, that's proof. Like you know, that's all. That's all the proof you need to me. I mean that that they're they're just that beyond. Look at what happened to John Ossoff with them tying Nancy Pelosi to him, and then he didn't even back her. You know, like that's the worst part. <laughs> he's an establishment guy, and he just kind of distanced himself when people brought her up. It's like, is she your leader or not? Well, I mean, clear, clearly, ideologically, he's not too far off from her. They they both right. serve whoever, you know, whatever corporate interests will pay them the most. But. Well, and yeah, he worked in Washington. He knows the game. And so he's become, he became so politically correct and so, um, I don't know, nuanced that he had no position at all at the end of it. He had no position to yeah. anything. He was fucking terrible. I mean, we, you know, we, talk, we talked about him so much ad nauseum, you know, uh, last week or two weeks ago, but... I mean, and, and, you know, I feel bad because, like, I, we know people that were involved with this campaign and they're, and they're right. good, good, you know, well-meaning people. But I just feel like and and, I'm, and the people we know, to be clear, I'm sure we're not the people giving him this this advice. I'm sure it was the no. DCCC and Tom Perez and people within the DNC. But well, he's just trying to tell him to leave with his values. <laughs> Um, but but you know these pe- like these people that work in Washington just live in this bubble where they don't understand that people are like done with the John Ossoffs of the world. Like nobody believes that bullshit anymore. I mean, you did you guys did you guys see that campaign ad he did, the one with the drone? Yeah. Ladonna, did you did you catch that? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. He literally doesn't fucking say anything. He just talks about he talks about like jo- like like business investment. And like and and growth in in the in Atlanta's business industry and and he shows like the CDC 
and like UBI and like all these places. And he's like, oh, well, uh, the CDC is innovating. Blah, blah. Not a single person in the video. He doesn't talk about any policy. It, it, now, it, he was speaking a secret language, trying to be <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Look, I'm kind of Republican, guys. You should you should like me because I'm not so far you know, off in, in terms of you know, progressive values or anything else. He was trying to play the center. He was. It's but just so stupid, though, because so Republicans stupid. are going to vote for Republicans. Like right. They're not going to vote for a Democrat. Like, why, why don't they get that? Like Jimmy Dore always says, when given the choice of a Republican and a Republican, they're going to choose the Republican every time. You know, it's like yeah. they're not going to vote like this, 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 you know, but I don't really think they think this like that, that Chuck Schumer for every, you know, Democrat that we lose, working class Democrat that we lose, will pick up two more moderate Republicans in the suburbs. I don't think they believe that. I think that that's their justification for being so blatantly corrupt and working against the interests of everyone in their base. I, well, I, these are people that, you know, lived through the Clinton administration. There were plenty of Southern Republicans, you know, Dixie wink, Pratt, wink, yeah. who who voted for Bill. So I, I think that they believe there's a language they can speak to. And, you know, unfortunately, they when it comes to race, they just got co-opted completely by the Republican Party. So that that whole thing has been taken over. And that's what they don't realize is that if they're trying to speak that language to uh, Southern bigots, they're going to need to <laughs> change their tune. And maybe, by the way, don't try to appeal to them. <laughs> you think yeah. that would help? Well, no, you know, I, I, I think that's that's true. And, I, you know, and it could be that in the 90s, that's the only thing that did work in terms of winning back, you know, support and winning the White House and winning seats. But the country's not there anymore. The country is far more progressive than it was at the at the end of the Reagan administration and even in the 90s. You know, we're, you know, Democrats, if you watch a Democratic debate from like the 90s, especially or even like, you know, uh, you know, one of the debates Hillary was involved in for senator, when they talk about gay marriage, the Democrats sound like Republicans do now. I mean, they were horrible. Yeah. Hillary was fucking horrible. She like proudly was against gay marriage and she actually got booed by like a new york uh democratic primary debate audience and she'd like just you know well that was part of her problem is that she didn't show she ever had any moral core she completely went for you know trying to uh you know determine her positions or legislate by polls she had you can't do that you've got to have she wasn't like in new york when she was a senator i have to say she wasn't because everybody here wanted gay marriage to pass she held us back from well, that she looked, because she, I remember that she was so powerful. There was like two million gay people here no, at the I know. time. You she wasn't representing New York. We, she was speaking to a national. That's audience. exactly what I was gonna say. She has always been, you know, Cersei Lannister, hungry for power. So she's always been, um, ha- she's Focused always had on her, the- She's always had her eye on the presidency, even when yep. she was, you know, first lady. I'm sure, but um, definitely when she was senator, um, yeah. she has always thought well, I'm going to totally speak to a national audience because that's who I'm really aiming to win over. And she looked at opinion polls, and probably at that time, opinion was maybe 40% in favor of gay marriage nationally. Not New York, we've always, you know, for for years, we've probably been a majority in support of that. But nationally, the, the nation was probably maybe about 50-50 at that point. The second it ticked above 51 
all of a sudden she evolved on gay marriage, you know, back in 20. There's a, there's a process that happens with all of these ideas and you can look at it with gay marriage. You can look at it now with marijuana legalization. And I believe the same thing is happening with single payer. There's a process of socializing an idea enough with the public, putting it in front of them, putting it in front of them in different ways. Um, and, and so we're being set up, I think, long-term, the GOP is doing themselves a disservice with what they're doing. They're getting everyone fired up so much about health care that we're going to wind up with single payer, you know, in spite of themselves. They're going to help us get single payer if they, exactly, if they repeal Obamacare. You know, so all of this is is a process of, you know, people getting educated about it, of looking at the options and it becoming increasingly acceptable to them. You know, you know, it's horrendous, though, and it's, it's really horrifying that this is actually a good strategy for them, for the Republicans. The thing Trump I think he tweeted about it the other day, which is an official White House statement, by the way. So I guess that's basically <laughs> gospel. Um, he he said, if you if you can't come together on a bill, if you can't get the votes needed for the for the repeal and replace bill, just repeal it, delay it for its implementation for a year, and we'll figure it out in the meantime. Which is fucking disastrous because it puts a gun to the Democrats' heads to say. Hey, if you guys don't work with us on this, people will have no health care in a year and it'll go back to the Wild West, which it was before Obamacare. That is um, straight from the Koch brothers. And which Alec it is. And, and it's a, and it's a good strategy for their horrible fucking interests, which it, it, it's it's I, I, I'm I, I'm horrified that they, they came up with this. But that's a fucking good strategy that they're going to use to get their bullshit because they don't care about getting health care bill in place. They, that's like an annoyance for them. Their big thing is just getting rid of the taxes from Obamacare and giving right. themselves that billion-dollar tax break. So this will accomplish that, and if they don't get health care, they can blame it on the fucking Democrats. It's so insidious and evil, but it's probably going to work. Well, and- there's still the narrative of the blood that will be on their hands, and I think that that's the, the angle that some of the Democrats can play, certainly, is that the number of lives that will be lost as a result of this and 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 not just you know the repeal of this but all the things that they're looking at with regard to medicaid and cutting you know um, help for the elderly and nursing homes and all of this it's the republicans are in a really difficult position when it comes to repealing all of this well, you know what though um the democrats and and Barack Obama was was king you know he's the chief offender of this they never make the Republicans pay a political price for the bullshit they yeah. pull. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, Obama... Like with the Supreme Court? The Supreme Court, Merrick Garland, did not make yeah. the Republicans pay a political price for that. He should have made that... He should have said that every fucking speech he gave, you know, every day until they... they he, there's so many things he probably could have done to force their hand on that and, you know, kind of strong-arm them, but he just never fought when he needed to. I mean, you look at anything like Dapple, you know, he didn't do anything until the 11th hour, right? As he was walking out the door, he's like, oh, wait, I guess we'll make, you know, make make sure they do an environmental impact study. Not shut down the pipeline, just do an environmental impact study, which, you know, for the time was like, oh, good. But turns out Trump administration said, oh, yeah, that's that's cute. Let's let's just let's put that in shredder. We don't need to do that. Well, I so, think, you know, Obama knew that, that Trump was going to undo anything he did anyway. Yeah. So it would have been symbolic. It would have been nice. It would have been symbolic. But well, that that's I mean, that's that's Obama's administration to a T, you know, nice symbolic things that he can he can champion and didn't do the actual thing that would help the country. I mean, yeah, and, you know, I'm not he, he just, you know, he didn't he, he fucking bailed out the banks, bailed out the like, it's just 
He never, which is exactly what the Democrats are being accused of on single payer, that they're bringing forward the idea. But then when push comes to shove, you know, like in California, yeah, they, they drop. They, yeah. yeah, they stab the fucking base in the back who work tirelessly and volunteer all their time and, and, you know, put all their energy into this thing that will save lives. And the Democrats are like, oh, let's use some, you know, procedural bullshit and cop out to explain why we're not going to let this bill even go through to assembly where we can amend it and talk about how we're going to pay for it. It's not even like, hey, pass it and implement it right away. It was like, hey, let's move this to assembly where we can discuss means of funding it. Which, by the way, they, you know, a couple of economists laid out means of funding it. You know, it it, it costs 400, and we're not going to do a full story on this, but I, I was reading up about it, and it costs about $400 billion annually, which is a lot of money. But, you know, California is the sixth richest economy in the country, in the, in the world. world. In the world, right. not, not in the country. They Their economy is bigger than all but six other countries in the world. Um, so they can fucking afford it. And so... $200 million is already being spent by the state on healthcare, or $200 billion of that $400 billion, rather. So half is already being spent by the state on healthcare. So if you take that money and you raise payroll taxes by 15%, that would actually pay for the bill. And the costs actually would offset. And a, a couple of economists figured out that it would be a net uh, savings of about 8% annually for individuals. So you would save money because you're not paying for premiums. So it would be a 15% payroll tax increase, but you would save about 8% annually. So you'd save money and get guaranteed health care for everybody in the in the state. No question that would happen. But I think, you know, there was another article this week that pointed to there are some things legally that they're going to have to restructure when it comes to their ability to fund the bill, that Prop 98 and some other things yeah. uh, without getting too much into the weeds. There, there are some first things, first things that they need to do. And so they were saying like, this is something like at least the seventh time that single payer has been introduced and, and fallen in California. They're mm -hmm. not taking the pre-steps, the early steps that they need to take to prepare for it to be either a ballot initiative or something else to be truly funded. So for us to take them seriously moving forward, they've got to start with the funding. Yeah. And the, well, the, the thing was they didn't even want to let it get into a general assembly where they could even potentially talk about uh, getting rid of some of those hindrances to passing any kind of a bill of that nature. Right. They knew they were going to vote it down anyway. And so Rendon took the fall, I think, for a lot of legislators that wouldn't have been able to vote for it anyway. It's just, uh, it's just the fucking dirty. It's, it's dirty, <laughs> of course. It's the fucking Democrats to a T. Um, yeah, apparently it came up a bunch of times when Arnold was uh, the governor, but it never got through. Uh, from him, he always would veto it, but I, you know, he's a Republican. What, what do you expect? He's going to pass. And that's what better. they're saying. Brown would have done too. So I don't know. Even though like he, even though he, Republican. Yeah, he is. I <laughs> yeah. mean, he campaigned for single payer when he was running for president in the nineties, but he's not there anymore. Just like how Nancy Pelosi was out there with a stroller holding up <laughs> signs for single payer, but now she, you know, it has to, you know, rinse her mouth out with mouthwash if she says the <laughs> phrase single payer. <laughs> But one second. So yeah, you know, um, that's disturbing, but not really surprising. Um, I do want to move on though to our uh, last story for the day because uh, it's a doozy. Um, so Russia's been um, occasionally in the news uh, cycle since President Trump was elected. 
I see it pop up from time to time, stories about Russia. <laughs> um, might, yeah, I think something's out there. You know, like little little fringe websites. You don't really see it on the big guys, but. <laughs> well, I heard Rachel Maddow might have covered it. She mentioned something She, she did like it. a short segment, I think, at the <laughs> beginning of one of her shows, you know. Um, some, some Something like, you know, 10 minutes long, not, you know, 53% of her entire show's coverage of anything or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but, so, uh, you know, there, and there's very real questions about um, whether or not he has financial dealings with Russians. But as I've said on this podcast before, I think there's very real question. He's, he's a shady motherfucker and he can't get money from any U.S. banks because he sucks at business and he's gone bankrupt six times. So he's constantly had to seek funding from overseas banks and overseas uh you know, investors. Alternative funding options. Yeah. We're gonna call yeah, yeah, no, essentially. Because <laughs> he's such a, like, a ne'er-do-well shithead who can't figure out how to make money, you know, in casinos, the only business where people give you money for fucking doing nothing. He still couldn't make that work. Um, by the way, I'd love to, I, and I know we're not, we don't do a ton of Trump stories because I think people are sick of hearing about him. I'd love to do a whole episode about his failed business uh, adventures because he, the reason he went bankrupt in his casinos, he had he had a fairly successful or, you know, a working casino in Atlantic City. And because he's such a fucking egomaniac, he wanted to build another casino with his name on it, like right there. Because, you know, Atlantic City is not big. It's like one block. It's like one long, I don't know if you guys have been there, but it's one yeah. long, one long boardwalk, basically, with a bunch strip, of... Yeah. It's a strip. So... He's like, well, I want to build another one. And they're like, don't do that. You're, What's wrong with you? You're going to split your profits and neither place is going to be able to sustain itself. Oh, no, it'll be fine. I'm a genius. Blah, blah, blah. And he built it. Hey, Starbucks can do it. Starbucks yeah, can no. Starbucks. Well, Starbucks doesn't have a ton of overhead compared to the $1,000 per fucking <laughs> cup of coffee they charge you. But so casinos have a lot of overhead. They're big. You know, they have a lot of employees, a lot of, you know, it, it, a lot of shit goes into it. So he builds a second casino like you know, right down the road from his first casino and he splits his fucking business and they both go bankrupt. So he's a fucking idiot who has delusions of grandeur and constantly bankrupts himself. One, one more quick anecdote before I get to the story. He, uh, so are you guys football fans at all? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, so, you know, the NFL is like the professional football league, the primary professional football league. For a while, oh, I know that much. <laughs> no, I know. I'm setting <laughs> up, though. That. So, um, but for a while, there was a second pro football league that was fairly su successful called the USFL, United States Football League. Uh, and a lot of, like, Walter Payton, I think, played there. A lot of, like, it, it was basically like they were competing leagues. Like, they were one and two. Um, but what the USFL did was they played in the offseason of the NFL because there was a constant appetite for, you know, football from football fans. It was like, well, there's six months out of the year where football's not on, so let's watch, you know, some other professional football. And it was great. It did well. You know, it did not as well as the NFL, but it did well. They played in big stadiums. Um, so Trump loved the NFL and loved the Jets, uh, but the NFL Owners Association would not let him purchase the Jets because they thought he was a fucking asshole. And they didn't want him as an owner of an NFL team. And every NFL 
uh, anyone who buys an NFL team has to be approved by the owners, the other owners. Like they vote on it basically, and they they well, they fucked us because maybe he would have <laughs> done right? that if he would just stay there. Um, no, it's okay. The the current owner of the Jets is now the ambassador of the United Kingdom, so everything worked out. Um, <laughs> true story. But so he they wouldn't let him in it. So you know him. He everything he does is based on like revenge. I mean, the reason he ran for president is because Barack Obama made fun of him at the correspondence dinner, and he was a little bit. So they it. say. And Barack Obama wasn't 100% white. He did that, too, to Trump. <laughs> but, I, but I believe it. I mean, if you watch him during the, that, that correspondence dinner where Obama was just fucking giving it to him. He like he, he loves was, revenge. He's he said lo- it, he, yeah. he is, He's petty as shit. He's so petty. So because he couldn't buy the Jets, he bought the New Jersey Generals, I believe they were called, the USFL team, right? Um, so he came into the owners association and he happened to be one of the richer members of the association because he's, yeah, at that time had a a decent amount of money. Um, so he pressured all the other owners. Uh, he said, you know, what we're doing right now is not good enough. We can compete with the NFL. And instead of playing in the NFL's off season, he said, we should compete with them head to head during their season. We should run games during the fucking He's such a fucking but moron. they're not in business anymore, huh? So, yeah, he bankrupted an entire uh, professional football league because of his arrogance and his, you know, being a little bitch about the fact that the NFL wouldn't let him buy a team. So he's just a total moron, does not know business. Anyone that thinks he's a good businessman is f- fucking being bamboozled by a two-bit con job. So well, I just... Yeah, doesn't the study say that, like, if he would have left it, took his daddy's money and left it in a, in, a, in the markets... That he would have made more money than yep. doing his business deals. I read that, yeah. Yeah, that's a bad businessman. You yeah, know, he's, he's a fucking terrible businessman. I mean, a lot of people think that he's not even worth nearly as much as he claims he's worth. I mean, he claims he's worth $10 billion. That's true. He, most people say he's probably worth more like $3 billion as opposed to $10 million, But some people... I've even heard like $900 million. I've heard yeah. under a billion. Yeah, I've heard that yeah. too. He's he definitely has no Which, problem. Which I mean, still for any of us would be like, "Fuck, I'm done working." You know, let's go to an island somewhere. Sure, but he squandered and, so much money. I mean, you know, between his six bankruptcies, I mean, he's just a fucking buffoon of a human being who was born into a ton of money and managed to. Holy shit, that was loud. You hear that? No. Have you gotten fireworks there? No, I think it was thunder. It was like a fucking bomb going off. Though. Oh yeah, there was lightning going on before Anthony. Damn. Um, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. That was fucking loud. Maybe it is fireworks. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so Trump's a fucking moron. But, so, anyway, <laughs> we got way off track. Yeah. But, okay, so, but, yes, so, basically, what it, the, the, the whole long point of that was, I think he does probably have financial ties to the Russians, just like I think he has financial ties to Saudi Arabian uh, investors and oligarchs and, you know, maybe Scott, Scottish uh, investors because he has some hotels there. I don't. There's this this hysteria though around this this angle of collusion about the election, which is the only thing that the media is focusing on. And uh, Glenn Greenwald actually wrote this really great piece for the Intercept, kind of detailing a lot of the examples of their hysteria and their misreporting, and its potential real world consequences. So, I want to go through a few of those for you guys, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, so the article is uh, called CNN Journalists Resign, Latest Example of Media Recklessness on the Russia Threat. Three prominent CNN journalists resigned Monday night after the network was, fo- was forced to retract and apologize for 
a story linking Trump ally Anthony Scaramucci uh, to a Russian investment fund under congressional investigation. That article, like so much Russia reporting in the U.S. media, was based on single anonymous source. Uh, keep that in mind, by the way, because you'll hear that a lot in this article. Uh, and now the network cannot vouch for the accuracy of its central claims. In announcing the resignation of the three journalists, Thomas Frank, who wrote the story, not the same Thomas Frank who wrote What's the Matter with Kansas or Listen Liberal, uh, Pulitzer Prize wing reporter Eric Lichtblau, <laughs> Eric Lichtblau um, recently hired away from the New York Times, and Lex Harris, head of a new investigative unit, uh, CNN said that the Quote, standard editorial processes were not followed when the article was published. The resignations follow CNN's Friday night retraction of the story, uh, in which it apologized to Scaramucci. <clears throat> Several factors compound CNN's embarrassment here. To begin with, CNN's story was first debunked by an article in Sputnik News, which uh, explained that, which is super funny, that a Russian outlet debunked them. It's extra added hilariousness to this, uh, which explained that the investment fund documented several factual inaccuracies in the report, uh, including that the fund is not even part of a Russian bank. Vinesh Kanamba... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that word. Vinesh Kanamba Bank, whatever, uh, that is under investigation. So it's not even part of the bank that's under investigation, the fund. Uh, and by Breitbart, of all people, which cited numerous other factual inaccuracies. So... When Breitbart is pointing out actual factual inaccuracies that you're printing, you uh doing a great job, CNN. Well, there's something weird happening within the progressive movement where some progressives are kind of um, fracturing off a little bit. And so a lot of their criticisms are aligning with Republican criticisms. So there's this, I don't know, it's like a twister in the media right now. It, you know, it's, in <clears throat> it's interesting you say that because I do see that a lot and a lot of people kind of align themselves with some of the shadier characters on the right, like the Mike Chernoviches and all those people. Yep. But I think where we would obviously, you know, uh, separate from each other is when it comes down to actual policies we want to see implemented. But I think right. the, the, the thing people are coalescing around right now is just general corruption of media and corruption of uh, institutions that are reporting on these things. Um, and again, I think we both are working for different goals, so I don't really think this is a great idea to be aligning yourselves with those types <laughs> of people, but whatever, you know, you do you as long as it, uh, you know, doesn't get to the point where you're agreeing with, with people like that on policy. So, and this follows, uh, an embarrassing correction CNN was forced to issue earlier this month when several of its highest profile on-air personalities asserted based on, again, anonymous sources that James Comey, in his congressional testimony, was going to deny Trump's claim that the FBI director assured him he was not the target of any investigation. When Comey confirmed Trump's story, CNN was forced to correct its story. An earlier version of the story said that Comey would dispute Trump's interpretation of their conversations. But based on his prepared remarks, Comey outlines three conversations with the, with the president in which he told Trump that he, would not, uh, he was not personally under investigation, said the network. Uh, but CNN is hardly alone when it comes to embarrassing retractions regarding Russia. Over and over, major U.S. media outlets have published claims about Russia uh, and the Russia threat that turn out to be completely false, always in the direction of exaggerating the threat and or inventing incriminating links between Moscow and the Trump circle. Uh, 
I think there's like a blitzkrieg going on outside my room right now because that's all I'm fucking hearing is explosions <laughs> uh, in the background. Maybe it's Russia. We sh- we should call them to the post and, and and tell them that the Russians are attacking. Uh, Take cover. Westchester County, New York, right now. But, um, They're going after Hillary. <laughs> that's true. She doesn't live that far from me. Oh God. Um, <laughs> so actually, that may be my saving grace. If nuclear point blows up, we'll get a better warning about it because Hillary you know, doesn't live too far away. They won't tell you. They'll that's, only that's tell true. her. That's true. She'll. She'll. They don't she care probably about has you, like a, a massive, like ten level bunker under her house that she could go down and live in forever. I would if I were yeah. her. Yeah. It's like youthful um, blood that she can transfuse. <laughs> you know, Peter Thiel's like involved in a company that's doing that now. That yeah, literally that is paying, paying fucking young people for their blood and transfusing it into older people. <laughs> like they're literal. So, so the fucking money elites in this country are actual literal vampires now. They're literally taking <laughs> blood from millennials to to fuel their their youthfulness. There's no way that actually works. Like you'll it's oh, blood no. doping. It's, it's, it's fucking pseudoscience. There's no way. It All works. it is is blood doping, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. You feel That's great true. because yeah, you're, exactly. you're blood doping, like fucking Lance Armstrong. You can win a race. <laughs> Peter Thiel's like a fucking lunatic. If you ever look, like listen oh, to yeah. him talk, I mean, he and when you look at him, he's got this real David Miscavige look to him. He's got this real like mm-hmm. intense, you know, like gla- he's he's a fucking creep. Um, he's got like a Paul Allen serial killer. Uh, no, Patrick Bateman is the name oh, of the I guy. I totally think he's a serial killer. Like, every, yeah, like, you know, allegedly, of course, Peter Thiel. Don't fucking sue but, us because we hurt your feelings. <laughs> I know you're you're into doing that. Um, that allegedly is satire these days. <laughs> it's um, all satire. No, but I really think he's a serial killer. Like, I'm, I, <laughs> I, Anthony Montarulo, I'm going to go on the record and say that Peter Thiel is a literal serial killer. <laughs> Well, there's been studies that show that, uh, you know, a majority of America's CEOs are actually psychopaths or would test oh, as psychopaths. Absolutely. So. I believe yeah. that to be true. I mean, you, oh my God. to, to Mac, do the my, things that they do. Mike Papantonio would definitely agree with that. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's from Ring of Fire Radio. He's on Tom Hartman's show all the time. He has a new show called America's Lawyer on RT, and I love this guy. Mm-hmm. And basically, he's like this Southern, high-power, super progressive lawyer who like hates corporations and that's what all his show is about <laughs> is about like how horrible cor- corporations are and like big time lawsuits like about Johnson and Johnson with the baby powder. <laughs> yeah. He's, oh, he's great, but he would definitely agree with that. I, oh yeah. You got to check out his show. It's, it's awesome. It's on all right. YouTube. All right. Cool. I will. Um, so in virtually all cases, these stories involved evidence free assertions from anonymous sources that these media outlets uncritically treated as fact only for it to be revealed uh, that they were entirely false. Several of the most humiliating of these episodes uh, has come from the Washington Post, uh, Jeff Bezos's paper. <laughs> who, by the way, friend of the show, friend of the show, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> who we absolutely love here on the podcast. Who, by the way, has a six hundred billion dollar, I'm sorry, six hundred million dollar deal with the CIA to build a cloud server for them, and he bought the Washington Post for something like four hundred million. So he has he, he has a deal worth Jeff, more. call me. <laughs> <laughs> so he has a deal for with the CIA worth more than the entirety of the paper that he bought. Um, I, you know, I mean, I could be maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here, but I don't think he's going to report super critically about the CIA or about the intelligence apparatus or about any kind of uh, military. Uh, are you saying they work. have an agenda? You know, I mean, look, uh, maybe I'm being crazy here, making connections, but 
you know, when a company gives you $600 million and you run a paper that's only worth $400 million, I tend to think that might have a little bit of a crossover, but, I, you know, maybe I'm being crazy here. Um, he's in the top five billionaires in the world. You know, he owns, his, he's like, owns, what, one-fifth of, of, like, half of what everybody owe you know, the, the half of, I'm not saying this right at all. He owns, he's one of the five richest people who own half of, uh, half the, of the, the world's wealth world. yeah they, they own yes, the other you. yeah exactly it's it's fucking so sickening he's gonna ever talk about income inequality in the wafo he doesn't is even he know one what of that the ones means. that's agreed to give it away though i don't know no he's not well, I, i'm pretty <laughs> sure he's not and by the way that's mostly a sham that's the pr thing that they're doing <laughs> they I were mean, gonna give it away they're not oh really. bill gates and yeah there's bill a group gates of them. Is full of shit you know what bill gates makes every week off his stock return 63 million dollars a week off his stocks he you, could he could fix Flint right now if he wanted to. Yeah, two fi- weeks fi- fifty million. But I, th- I think they said something like fifty million dollars to replace their pipes. But even if it was like a hundred million, yeah. I mean, yeah. So these people claim that they give a shit, but they don't really give a shit. Of course, we know that. Um, so, uh, so on December thirtieth, the paper published a blockbuster, frightening scoop that immediately and predictably went viral and generated massive traffic. Russian hackers, the paper claimed, based on anonymous sources, once again, that's number three if you're counting at home, uh, had hacked into the U.S. electrical grid through a Vermont utility, which is it, which is horrifying. That means that they're trying to hack our electrical grid. What, what what's what's going to happen? We got to get on top of that. Uh, so that in turn led MSNBC journalists and various Democratic officials to instantly sound the alarm that Putin was trying to deny Americans heat during the winter. <laughs> Literally every facet of that story turned out to be false. Uh, first, the utility company, which the Post had not bothered to contact for the story. <laughs> so Good journalism. It, it was a, a story. It was a story about a utility company getting hacked, and they didn't contact the utility company that they were fucking reporting on as being hacked. I mean, just let that sink in for a minute. Anthony, it's just an honest mistake, you know. Something they <laughs> it was, it was like, a little oversight. They overlooked. Little... <laughs> such a hard ass on them. <laughs> Um, so first, uh, so yeah, they didn't contact them. Uh, so the utility company issued a denial pointing out that the malware was found on one laptop that was not connected to either the Vermont electrical grid or the broader U.S. electricity grid. That forced the Post to change the story to hype the still alarmist claim that the malware showed the risk posed by Russia to the U.S. electrical grid, uh, along with a correction at the top repudiating the story's central claim. Uh, and it's a very small editor's note at the top of the article saying, an earlier version of the story incorrectly said that Russian hackers had penetrated the U.S. electrical grid. Authorities say that there is no indication of that so far. The computer at the Burlington Electric uh, that was hacked was not attached to the grid. They can't even editorialize right. They're, editor- they're editorializing in their editor's note. It has no, shown no indication of that so far. No, it shows no indication of that because you fucking made it up. It was it came out of nowhere. Like, what are you talking about? Well, it's- yeah, it was a bullshit story, but I, I truly believe we have to assume they're in all our grids. I mean, if you think about some of the equipment that's in our utilities and all of that, we are, we are so not buttoned up when it comes to cybersecurity. Well, all of our the Chinese, the so Russians, they're all in our stuff. Poor. So, I, I, I mean, the real headline that. of that article should have been, duh. You know, of course they're in our systems. But, yeah, they didn't have any evidence whatsoever. Yeah. And, and by the way, the article, which is still up, still has the headline, Russian operation hacked a Vermont utility showing risk to U.S. electrical grid security, officials say. 
with the editor's note under it. So they didn't fucking take the story down. They didn't change the headline. They just left it up. They didn't change the headline to, sorry, we're fucking hack reporters and can't actually check our sources before printing stuff. Nothing really happened. Continue, you know, carry on. But that, that, that would be the headline that I might change it to if I worked at the post, but. There's just such hysteria right now that, you know, everyone and everything is a Russian. I mean, I've been accused of being Russian multiple times in social media. Um, it, it's just, it's everywhere. And, and actually people are putting in their bios now, like I'm a Russian. <laughs> yeah, so no, what I'm, if you were a Russian? But that's the thing. It's, it's, so, it's so like, it, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's racist. It's like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's it xenophobic. Is. It's like, yeah, like people in Russia largely probably are not fans of Putin and his regime. They just, you know, they have no democracy there. They, it, it's, it's, it's a shitty country, but it, it's like to, 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 to it, this is the same shit we did in 1980 with Iranian Americans where they were being beaten yep. in the streets in New York city because some, you know, extremists took, took a bunch of Americans hostage. Um, and it's just fucking the ugliest thing in the world, and the fucking Democrats are doing it. It's like, well, what, and this what is are where I, I hate to say that I agree with Trump, but you know, when he started out saying, "Would it be the worst thing in the world if we had a decent relationship with the Russians?" No, I, I, I agree on that. Are, uh, wait, Donna, I'm sorry. Are you saying that you want to have a good relationship with the with with the country with which we both control 94 percent of the world's <laughs> nuclear armaments? What am I thinking? What, what are you, some Madness. kind of fucking Putin puppet or something? My God. <laughs> Ugh. Are you are you saying you don't want to do brinksmanship with Russia and bring us to the precipice of World War III? What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, you what know, are you, some kind of commie pinko? <laughs> well, I heard a Russian was following LaDonna on Twitter, so, you know, that must make her a Putin puppet. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> They've got their eye on me. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the first tweet about us being Putin puppets for some of the stuff we say in the podcast. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to frame Glad, it. Call me. Well, wait until somebody finds out that my ex-roommate was Russian. Oh, Uh-oh. my God. Uh-oh. All right. All right. Yeah, Let's and shut her it name's down. Olga. Like, oh uh-oh. I love Borscht, so, you know, I'm in. All right, comrade. Let's just shut this whole thing down because clearly. <laughs> um, so uh, back to the, the that, that Vermont utility article. Uh, but then it turned out that even this limited malware was not connected to Russian hackers at all. And indeed, may have not been malicious code of any kind. <laughs> Those revelations forced the Post to publish a new article days later, entirely repudiating the original story. But the original story is, of course, still up. Um, a cybersecurity firm has uncovered strong proof. Uh, and by the way, if you you guys should seek out this article because I I cut a bunch of examples, but there's like thirty examples of major stories that were just totally fabricated or misreported and or straight. Yeah, it's pretty know. extensive. Um, but yeah, it's a great article. It's it's a great article. Um. Oh, no, so I skipped over. Perhaps the most significant Russia falsehood came from CrowdStrike, the firm hired by the DNC to investigate the hack of its email servers. Again, in that same time period, December 2016, the firm issued a new report accusing Russian hackers of nefarious activities, including, uh, I'm sorry, involving the the Ukrainian army, uh, which numerous outlets, including, of course, the Washington Post, uncritically hyped. A cybersecurity firm has uncovered strong proof of the tie between the group that hacked the DNC and Russia's military intelligence arm, the primary agency behind the Kremlin's interference in the 2016 election, the Post claimed. The firm CrowdStrike linked malware used in the DNC intrusion to malware used to hack and track an Android phone app, 
used by the Ukrainian army in its battle against pro-Russian separatists in eastern Ukraine from late 2014 through 2016. Yet that story also fell apart. In March, the firm revised and retracted statements uh, it used to Boutrous claims of Russian hacking during last year's American presidential election campaign uh, after several experts questioned its claims and CrowdStrike walked back key parts of its Ukraine report. What is most notable about these episodes is that they all go in the same direction, hyping and exaggerating the threat posed by the Kremlin. All media outlets will make mistakes. Uh, that is to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> but when all of the mistakes uh, are devoted to the same rhetorical theme, and when they all end up advancing the same narrative goal, it seems clear that they are not the byproduct of mere garden-variety journalistic mistakes. So, yeah. Um, by the way, CrowdStrike, who just totally made up that bullshit about the Ukrainian army, um, are the only people who have investigated the DNC servers. And that's the entirety of this DNC hysteria about how Russia hacked their servers. Uh, DNC did not let the FBI look at their servers. Still yeah. has not let the FBI look at their servers. So the only people's word we're taking for it is a fucking discredited third-party private security firm, CrowdStrike, who either are idiots and totally got information wrong or made shit up to make Putin look bad. Which, so, how is it possible that the FBI or someone hasn't just said, give us the damn machine? How is that legal? Yeah. Well, like, how yeah. is that legal that they can't just fucking say, no, you, if you're claiming that you got hacked by a foreign adversary, you need to legally give us these servers because you are withholding evidence or obstructing justice if you don't. It like, would be a threat to our national security when it comes to if they're sure. interfering with elections so, and releasing information. So, my representative, Pete King, you know, the only time he ever actually made sense is he went um, before the, I forgot who he went, but he, um, he was talking to somebody from the DNC, I believe, and he was asking them, he's like, why didn't you give it to the Defense Department? He's like, why didn't you, um, this, this should have, if your servers were hacked by the Russians and you really believe that, he's like, why didn't you give it to the Defense Department? They yeah. have no answer, you know? Of course they have no answer, but you know what the, the answer is? They said they never asked. That was one of the Which answers. Which is bullshit. They because I think the FBI actually came out and said, no, that's not true. We did ask, and they just didn't yeah. let us see him. Um, but you know what? And and look. and Not true. Because it's not fucking true, probably. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. The Russia thing is segmented, and people tend to lump it into one thing. There that's are true. separate accusations. There's the collusion with the Trump campaign that people are on, which I think is total bullshit. There's the financial ties to Russia, which I think there's probably something there. And then there's, there's definitely some Rico stuff that's going to come to fruition there. And then there's the Podesta email leaks, which turns out was because John Podesta is a fucking idiot and clicked on a phishing link. <laughs> uh, and then there's the DNC leaks, which they're claiming Russia hacked and leaked to WikiLeaks. And there's the election being hacked, allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. So, but, th right. but th those are five things, but people tend to lump them all into one. And I think right. made, there's truth, I think, to probably the financial aspect of the... Uh, Trump has, you know, business ties with Russia because, of course, he oh, he's totally got shady ties of all sorts of um, oligarchs all over the place. But Which is why I say in my pin tweet, look, you know, whatever the whole Trump Russia thing is, I believe this administration is compromised. And I know you guys may disagree on that. But I think given the financial ties and given some of the stories that we've seen, they're compromised. Now, whether or not they colluded or whether or not the election was hacked or who hacked it, those are all separate things. But Right. I, I think they're certainly no, corrupt. Right. I think they're definitely corrupt. And, they're definitely compromised and corrupt. Um, I mean, for sure. But 
back to what I was saying, the 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 whole the crux of the whole Russia hacked our servers is bullshit because that's what they're claiming, but they're not letting anyone look at it other than CrowdStrike, who we know to be a shady company who has <laughs> questionable uh, results in the past, if not questionable morals or um, intentions. So that to me says they're totally fucking hiding the fact that they made it up because they know that it was an internal leak like WikiLeaks has all but said. I mean, look, look and you know, there could got, be so many different things going well, on look, there though. I mean, the, the FBI Julia has Assange. the authority to ask for that if they want it. They haven't. So, you know, it's likely that they were directed by someone in the administration not to ask for it. That means that the narrative benefits someone, the idea that they were hacked. And, yeah. and it may be that they were hacked by more than one entity. It may be that there's other information we don't know about that would be released. And who was, that and who was. was in the White House at that point? Uh, <laughs> Barack Obama. So, yep. but no. So, and, and I made this point yesterday and our audio cut out mysteriously, but um, so, <laughs> no, no, it was unrelated. It was my computer being shitty um it was the russians yeah no it was the russians um <laughs> actually now that you mention it it all makes sense now <laughs> so but so okay so wikileaks has said uh russia didn't give us this information it was given to us by goose by Guccifer too who was given it by a angry staffer who worked for the dnc now you know whenever you even mention the phrase and it's really his name is really loaded but whenever you even bring up the seth rich thing people immediately paint you as some fringe lunatic who believes in like 9-11 conspiracy theories or like Sandy Hook. They may, they try to lump you in with those. And I, I don't or completely insensitive to his family or yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it's bullshit. It's like, I, and look, and I'm not a, con, you know, a conspiracy truther, but there are very serious questions to be asked about his, his murder because I mean, uh, first of all, he was murdered. First of all, he was murdered, obviously. <laughs> But then, right. and, and that you know, this, does matter, right? This does whole, it matter this whole that somebody was murdered? And, and they, robbed for nothing on him, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they designated it as a botched robbery. But yeah. nobody took anything. He was shot in the back. So if it was a botched robbery, it wasn't that he struggled with the guy. But even granting that in some miraculous circumstance, he struggled with the robber, but got spun around and shot in the back. Even if you want to grant that insane, you know, magic bullet, you know, miraculousness. Um the guy didn't take anything. Why? If, if he shot him, he would have taken for the his shell wallet. casings from the, sh- the the bullets. There's there's sketchy shit. It's a sketchy case. Like any, if if this was involved, if anyone else was involved in this, people would be looking into it. But it's just really sketchy how quickly the uh, they're trying to sweep it under the rug. It's gotten swept under the rug, and and it, I don't think it makes us conspiracy theorists or nut jobs yeah. for saying that. It's really fishy. And well, look what the media is doing to people who talk about it. You they're know, smearing them. They're meanwhile, they're they're, they're pushing Dora fake the stories with no Post. consequence. Exactly. It's it's so you know this is I not. I mean, the New York Times went after Lee Camp so bad. It was horrible. Oh, that was such a fucking so... garbage smear. Did you read it? Art. I mean, yeah, it was, I did. It, was, it, was it was like garbage. super xenophobic. Two Russian men were were speaking Russian outside of his of his uh, gig in New York. Are you kidding They're me? They're fucking McCarthyists. They sound like McCarthyists. <laughs> so you're not allowed to be a Russian person like, in New York now? Now you're not allowed to speak Russian in New York? Yeah, you're not allowed to yeah. be a Russian person? How, 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 so how I, progressive of you, you fucking, you know, like... It's horrible. <laughs> so, it's ugly. No, but so, I mean, the reason I say that is because Julian Assange has all but said in an interview, and he won't actually say it because he it makes it a point to never reveal a source for ethical reasons. I think he's, you know whatever you think about him, I think he's a very ethical guy. And I think he always strives to 
present the truth, no matter how ugly it is or how it may affect things. Oh, but um, Anthony, you know he's in bed with the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Putin's puppet, apparently. But um, so because he, Louise Mensch online, oh which whatever she Fucking considers herself to be, connected one of his servers, which you know he keeps in. MP, yeah. Yeah, he keeps in many countries, you know, servers for you know. Um, backup but you know because they trace one to russia suddenly he's russian she's a so, fucking yeah. lunatic by the way all the idiots that retweet her <laughs> she literally thinks that bernie is a russian agent like so so <laughs> if you want to if you want to think that she is uh some kind of great like arbiter of truth and fighter for you know the truth of this whole thing yeah read some of her in more insane tweets about she called had her. one good piece of intel she had one story and she has dragged that into the longest following you, you, and, you guys know you that know. meme uh that old internet meme where it was like everyone i don't like is hitler i think she should yeah. we should redo that with everyone i don't like is russian like that could be her fucking <laughs> meme um but so no so, and julian assange on in an interview all but said seth rich was the source yeah. that leaked to wikileaks so you know, I mean, there's something there. And if that is true, their entire narrative falls apart. And it comes out that hmm, maybe they're playing up this Russia thing because it takes the focus off of them and they don't have to talk about policy. And they don't have to and talk about why. And maybe there's a body they're... count, too. <laughs> well, yeah, that, too. But, I mean, you know, even if even given that maybe his murder was a, the most bizarre coincidence of all time, um, it takes the heat off of them and it doesn't. they don't have to talk about why they lost an election to the biggest fucking buffoon who's ever run for president i mean I, you well, know it, it's what it's, are they gonna say about newsweek now that newsweek did that piece saying that george w uh george washington university said uh had some students and uh and professors investigate and uh they researched uh his murder and they said it was either done by a hitman or a serial killer because it was definitely a professional killer because they cleaned up afterwards they they got him within two shots which means you're a skilled shooter. Um, there was just like lots of evidence yeah, saying no, I, that basically it was somebody who knew that what they were doing. It was not somebody who like panicked and freaked because they got some, him so like, easily. Yeah, some random, you know, street I mean, robber. he didn't see it coming. He didn't see it coming. So uh, the person obviously knew what they were doing. Yeah. It, it's, they, they're it's saying so he was targeted. Fishy. It's so fishy. And you're well, going back yeah, to I... all of these stories that are being debunked now. And, and you talked about it. There are so many in this article. People really should check it out. But I, I go back to... Who benefits from us distrusting or not trusting the media? Yeah. Because that's really what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, makes me wonder, certainly, if there isn't a deliberate attempt to leak things and smear specific outlets that have been deemed as credible otherwise to people. That, you know, maybe there are people either in the administration, in government, wherever, that are leaking out fake, fake stories specifically to discredit all of these outlets. How about yeah, right. how the, about the, the thing sources? How about the thing that the Intercept published, the, the the thing that Reality Winner or whatever the hell her name was leaked to them. That was okay. sent out to them probably to discredit them because they've always been uh, you know, in, in opposition to this whole narrative, but they printed that they printed something that was leaked to them from an NSA contractor that also was, you know, had anonymous sources tied to it, which turned out to be not a hell of a lot of anything. So we're in a war on truth right now, and, and the media themselves, their hands are being tied because now there's so much more scrutiny on anonymous sources. And let's face it, if you've got, you know, really sensitive information, you want to be deep throat. You want to be, you know, nobody knows who you are, but, you know, they can't really use as much of that anymore. 
Um, they've got to really heavily scrutinize any story that comes their way. So they can't print as much as what they maybe wanted to or used to do anymore. And mm -hmm. even when they do, we have to sit here and doubt every bit of it now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, all this is to say, like, and we talked about, you know, the, the kind of erosion of journalism and buying it off, you know, it, when we talked about that documentary earlier. Um, it's so important now more than ever that you seek out journalists who you know are credible and that you respect. Don't trust outlets. Don't trust papers. Don't tr like as a whole, as an entity, right. um, because they can clearly be infiltrated by people with less than honorable morals or intentions. Uh, people have no problem printing hysteria and bullshit to sell papers or to get viewers like CNN. I mean, and we know from the Podesta emails, we know there's a clear quid pro quo happening, um, you know, with certain yeah. reporters and, and anchors and such being invited to events and other things if they print favorable stories. So we, we already know that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I say all that to say, um, this is not to attack journalists because we think that they're – this is not the same as what Trump does to discredit journalism as, as an entity. Journalism is so fucking important now more than ever because we have so many shady, corrupt people, as we've detailed in this episode in both parties, that watchdog journalism is so crucial right now and it's so few and far between. So seek out people that do real watchdog journalism, people like uh, Glenn Greenwald. David Sirota, Chris Hedges, Lee Camp, or, uh, or, or, uh, Lee Fang, well, both of them. But um, Yeah, Zed Jelani, Max Blumenthal. Yeah, Jimmy Dore. I just think vary your sources. I mean, I try to read stuff on the left, stuff on the right, stuff in the middle. I try to read all of it to know, um, you know, what each side is saying and, you know, think about maybe why they're saying it, what their agenda is. Yeah. So, and yeah, and don't just watch cable news. Cable news is fucking garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it's it's entertainment. It's not even news. Um... Well, look, I got sucked in, like many people, on Maddow's coverage. She's fantastic in the way that she takes something. She takes an issue, and she walks you through it step by step. In fact, it's sometimes frustrating how slowly she takes it. I was going to say, some, would say, some would say fantastic. Some would say excruciatingly <laughs> fucking boring and, right. and snide. But, but yeah, okay. But yeah. I like to get into the weeds there a little bit. You know, <laughs> Do I think she goes too far in, in the narrative? And is there some other motivation, you know, potentially? It's really easy for all of us to get sucked into a good story. It's really easy to just fall down that that rabbit hole and go deeper and deeper into it. So I just think, you know, varying your sources is so important. Sure. And I, and I, and I agree in terms of getting into the weeds on things. And I, I like pieces like that, that Greenwald piece because it's very exhaustingly detailed and researched. And I, and I get what you're saying about Maddow, but I think that she is very much, uh, you know, I mean, she makes $30,000 $30, a day. Um so you don't really hear too much about income inequality or the water in Flint right. or the fact that we're in, in seven interventions in the Middle East right now. You hear uh, almost or entirely or single. Oh, God, she's probably never even let the words leave her lips. <laughs> um, you only hear about Russia. They, somebody did a study on her and she does 53 percent of her entire show's coverage is about Russia. So, uh, you know, when, when she's racist. Yeah, basically. So when the Republicans <laughs> right now are literally about to fucking destroy healthcare in this country, she's not talking about that that much. She's probably giving that, you know, a little coverage and then right back to Russia. You know, in that video by 
James O'Keefe, who's a piece of O'Keefe, who's <laughs> a total piece of shit, but he actually got a producer from CNN saying on camera, and you you can watch it, you know, even though don't give him the clicks, find a like a, a copied video so you don't give him any fucking. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Dore has it. Oh, good. Yeah, I watched Jimmy Dore's cover. Yeah. Of it. Um, he got Van Jones too. Yeah, he got Van Jones saying, but but he got a producer from CNN saying, oh yeah, no, the Russia thing's bullshit, but we not bullshit, but like we hype it up because it's great for ratings. We don't. You know the uh, back when the we pulled out of the Paris Climate uh, Accord, uh, CNN's uh, president Jeff Zucker, uh, the day after it happened, came in and was like, "Hey, great coverage of the Climate Accords after one day." And he said, "Great coverage, but let's get back to Russia." So, you know, <laughs> pulling the world out of, loves a good conspiracy. Pulling out of a climate yeah. agreement that's probably going to fucking Unless destroy the planet. Rich. Yeah, right. <laughs> unless it, unless it affects the powerful. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so pulling us pulling out of a climate agreement that probably is gonna fucking kill the planet and make it uninhabitable in a hundred years. Uh, let's give it a day's coverage, but make sure we talk about this nebulous Russia story that we has still not produced any actual hard evidence for. Um, so the the mainstream media is uh, focused on ratings, of course, as you know, they don't actually give a shit about truth or finding out uh, what's going on in Washington. So. Just like like Ladon said, barrier sources, take in independent media. Independent media is so crucial right now. Read, you know, journalists that you respect. Um Yeah, and don't buy into the bullshit. That's basically I think what the what the theme of this this episode was. Don't believe the bullshit. Um I'd actually titled this episode that, but I don't think iTunes lets you put uh curses in the titles. So well, you know what, Sally Sally Boynton Brown said, she said, facts don't matter anymore. And when she first said it, I thought that was crazy. But now I think about oh, it more. I mean, look at yeah. this whole Russian thing. Facts don't matter anymore, do they? She's a little bit well, of a... facts? She's a little alternative bit of, facts? <laughs> she's a little bit of an establishment person, though. She probably didn't mean it in the way that we're using it. But it's broad, <laughs> It's broadly true. Facts don't seem to matter anymore. Um, yeah. But uh, so from uh, one uh, Putin puppet to another, uh, thank you for joining me. Adrian and LaDonna and we will uh, catch you guys again next week on the Our Voice podcast Jeff Bezos sucks <laughs> I have to end it with that again <laughs> Bye everybody